Hey Marcus, you like movies? Yes, I do. You like you like hot Cheetos? No. Really? Nope. Yes, really. Oh, that's weird. I like <laughs> hot Cheetos so much. Do you like do you like earnest reviews? Absolutely. Ah, this is Zebras in America, a film podcast, a podcast where you hear someone talk about West Coast rap, East Coast movies, art from the 1700s. Whatever. Whatever's clever. We could be born brought to you by Fandor. Fandor, throw us some money. I just resubscribed to you guys to watch some Portuguese films. I wanted to see his Portuguese film, but it's a 102-year-old. Manuel de Oliveira. Yep. Worked until his, his, his dying day. I'm saying that's so dope. Yeah. Fandor, where you at? Yes, this is Zebras in America. This is a really special episode because we were able to interview... Outlaw Vern Yes uh, From OutlawVern.com Yeah, great film critic Who has a website called Vern's uh, What is it called? OutlawVern.com Vern's, Vern's Reviews on the Films of Cinema Yeah uh, Where right now You can see reviews of Henry Fool, Small Soldiers Mulan Pi Buffalo 66 Buffalo 66 Armageddon Sorry to Bother You All on the same page And that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff we do Before we go there which we will do, like just how, you know, before we go there, we have a couple emails from from people. Our first email is from Dustin Nading. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, is the subject. Hey yourself, Dustin. Dear Marcus and Scott, I've really been enjoying the podcast. After discovering it a few months ago, I've gone back and listened to every episode. Oh wow, that's awesome. Thanks, Thank you. buddy. I've watched at least one movie to my watch list. I've added at least one movie to my watch list per episode, it seems. Hip-hop and pro wrestling are two other things that I really love, and it's refreshing to hear podcasters talk about more of their interests instead of limiting themselves to a specific topic. Amen, brother. That's, you're, you're really making us feel validated. And who are your favorite wrestlers, and who are your favorite rappers? And who are your favorite rapping wrestlers? ECW don't count. That's not true. They're rappers and wrestlers, I suppose. Mark is like... Yeah, they count. Yeah, they count. Absolutely. Yeah. I first heard of your show via your appearances on the Wrong Reels Jim Jarmusch episode. Awesome. All right. Jarmusch is my favorite director, and it was fun hearing both of your thoughts on his filmography. Down by Law is one of my favorite films of all time, along with Blood Simple and Paris, Texas. Those are good movies. My question to you both is as follows. With Claire Denis for upcoming foray into sci-fi, what is the genre that you would like to see a director tackle that they have yet to? I think a Coen Brothers sci-fi movie would be terrific, but this is just one example. I would like to hear your opinions. Sorry for the long email. Keep up the great conversations. Must love. Dustin from Iowa. Dustin from Iowa. Thank you for writing. So, Marcus, who is someone that you like that you'd like to see do a different genre? I'd like to see... Um, he's dipped his toe... But I'd like to see him completely jump in. Uh, Claire Denis' friend, Olivia Sayas, I'd like to see him do, like, an air quote traditional action film. I mean, with, like, stuff like Boarding Gate, I guess, elements of Demon Lover, he's got all the tools to do it, but just like a, like, Batista. Like, Olivia Sayas directing Batista in, in a film would make my decade. I would like to see Joe do a superhero movie. Oh, wow. He kind of, oh, he, he did. Like you mean like like a Marvel DC ish kind of thing because he did make a superhero film. Did he? Yeah. Um, 
the adventures of super pussy i think that's what it's, it's about this trans um i don't know how easy it is to find but it's about this trans uh superhero in thailand yeah i'd like to see joe do a superhero or well clearly he has done but i'd like to see to see him do an american superhero movie see what yeah, yeah 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 and also yeah. i'd like to see claire denis do a sci-fi film so i'm pretty happy that that's happening hell yeah i and i i wanted to see Adi Yard do a road trip family film and apparently that's what his new movie's looking like so awesome I'm pretty yeah that looks pretty good the new Adi Yard movie mm-hmm. yeah. am I pronouncing his name correctly? I guess I mean I'm not I'm not good with pronunciation half the time pronunciation so. is a form of oppression anyway uh, Amanda Hug and Kiss says Scott you say um too much Marcus you cough in the mic too much sorry it's the dairy I'm, I'm trying to cut down yeah, well, you know, we, we it's about time we got a hater email. It's not a hater, but it's, yeah. it's a... Was that it, though? Yeah. 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 Uh, second time... Te- second time writer Tristan Lofting wrote, Hey, guys, I just finished listening to episode 64, nice. where you mentioned the idea of having a Zebras in America film festival of double and triple f- features. This is a seriously awesome idea. Thank you. I completely support you guys with this, and I think you should definitely make it happen. Also, you guys, I'm a gay trans man. My own personal opinion about casting for trans characters is that the best, most appropriate actor should be cast for roles. It all depends on the individual story being told and the individual character. I also generally think that trans women characters should be played by women, trans or cis, and that trans men characters should be played by men, trans or cis. My favorite movie about being trans and one of the few, the only, movie with the lead character who is a gay trans man is the German rom-com Romeos from 2011. A cis male actor played the lead character, but he was well cast and did a fantastic job. This movie also helped save my life when I was coming to terms with being trans and gay. I know my opinions are unpopular, but I'm just an old 40-something. Thank you, Tristan. Oh, good. Thank you. We we appreciate your ongoing support, too. Yeah, I think your opinions are... Your opinions are your opinions, and... While people may not agree with them, I I hear what you're saying. I I do understand. I do like the idea of merit-based acting stuff. You know, there there was that movie that I just saw, the new Gus Van Zandt movie. Don't worry, he won't get too far on foot. And there was there was some upset that Joaquin Phoenix played the character of a quadriplegic and not a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. But I also haven't cried in the cinema like that. In a long time, so I think it's complicated. I suppose doesn't this character also not start out that way? That's so, also true. Moving on. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, we we decided last week to start talking about difficult subjects and learn because we'd rather talk and learn and have a little blowback than not talk about the things that we're upset about. Absolutely. And then we get, you know, responses like Tristan, which yeah, is kind of one of the reasons why we do this. Yeah, so we get people talking to us and we get to learn stuff because I don't know that experience. So I'm, I, would, I would love to hear about those experiences from other people. Yeah. So shortly we will be interviewing Vern. And I just wanted to um, just, uh, just do a little reading. From Verne's excellent Seagology, a study of the ass-kicking films of Steven Seagal. Uh, let me just find my my favorite part. From 2000 to 2003, director of photography turned director of everything else, 
Andrzej Bartkowiak created a loose trilogy of dumb action movies, all said to be based on other works. The pictures are all produced by Joel Silver and star a group I call the Joel Silver Players. DMX, Anthony Anderson, and Tom Arnold appear in all three pictures, while Jet Li, Isaiah Washington, and some kid named Dragon each appear in two. So, I just love that sort of setup. Yeah. And, yeah, so, ladies and gentlemen, Vern. and we have a most wonderful guest with us today. We have Vern, uh, movie movie critic, writer, fiction writer, movie critic, and it's really nice to have you on the show today, Vern. Yeah, we're really honored. This is, uh, this is a big deal for us. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, Marcus uh, put me onto your writing like a month ago, and I've been... We're actually using one of your books to prop up my iPhone right now. I am in the middle. I am in the middle of reading Yippie Kaye Moviegoer and Seagology. Alright. I yeah. I'm a huge. I'm a huge fan of your approach to reviewing movies, and it's it's really exciting to have you with us today. Um, for our listeners. Would you like to give a little intro to your to your criticism? Uh, well, I, I, I read reviews on outlawburn.com. Uh, I started in the late 90s, and I used to for Ain't It Cool News a long time ago. Uh, and I became kind of obsessed with straight-to-video action movies back then. And uh, I kind of saw them as something that were interesting weird movies that had a lot of potential and I feel like these days they've kind of in a lot of ways lived up to that potential so uh, I just love looking for uh, things that are interesting and great in places that aren't always as respected yeah yeah absolutely I think that's what um, so to kind of give uh, credit for who put me on to you uh, it was uh, my friends Chris and John at the Pink Smoke, who I've known for a very long time. And a couple years ago, Chris, uh, just given my taste and, and our kind of mutual taste, he assumed that that, that I read uh, you know, your, your writing. This was years ago. He would speak to me about your writing in such a familiar way. And, you know, back then, this is years ago, I was like, no, I'm, I don't. He's like, what? You don't know who? And then ever since then, I've been a fan of your, uh, you know... I, and I think just for the simple fact that like you know you'll which also again um, at Outlaw Vern for those of you li- li- listening like for example if you just go on your Twitter feed right now you'll see care for uh, like your writing on film shows just as much care for you know a Kurosawa film as it does say you know an action film starring uh, Dave Batista, which is funny because uh, Scott just saw Wrong Side of Town for the first time and I remember tweeting at you a couple months ago about your review on Wrong Side of Town. Um, so I'm just fascinated by it. like there, there's no pretentiousness in in your writing and I think a lot of accomplished well-known critics 
over time or, or right out of the gate can kind of have like a, a pretentious side to them and, and that just kind of immediately turns me off you know like I love Van Damme just as we love Van Damme just as much as we love Tarkovsky so I think that's why it's yeah. such a big deal ha- having you on the show and just you know talking with you <laughs> I like to say that a well-rounded person can appreciate Jean-Claude Van Damme and Jean-Luc Godard uh, him too absolutely him too <laughs> to be honest I and much more knowledgeable and appreciative of Van Damme, but you know, I, I aspire to understanding all sides of movies, I guess. So, quick question to to put you on the spot, because I always I get called out by some people. Uh, would you consider Lionheart in his top three films? I think so. It's one of my favorites, definitely. You see, it is my favorite. I think it's number one. <laughs> Scott, are you a Lionheart? I, I think guy? Oh. Yeah, out of the classic ones, I, I think it's the best. It's it's hard to rate it against, uh, like, Universal Soldier Regeneration. But as, like, a vehicle, Van Damme, that actually is my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah, I think, it's, I think for me it's Lionheart, Cyborg, and JCVD. Oh, I like that list. That's a good list. Those are, I just, those are, those are the ones that really do it for me. Mm-hmm. Lionheart, because I just like the family, the family story. Cyborg because I like dystopic science fiction and JCVD because it, that was sort of the film that was like oh you you can do it was it was like an it was like a quote unquote art house film played at the Angelica at yeah. least here in the city at least for those it was, it was like an art house film but it was also a John Claude Van Damme film and I was like see you can do that sort of shit yeah not to say that that Lionheart isn't also a great movie that I would be happy to see at the at the Angelica yeah but. I have trouble with Cyborg. I, I think it's so. There's so much I love about it, but I just find it kind of boring. But I like. But especially watching it now, I feel like it seems like Albert June is into some kind of like Terrence Malick thing, like trying to make this, this like, you know, poetic movie about. But it's also kind of this low rent, you know. Post-apocalyptic I mean, there is that scene where he's like nailed up to the cross, so it has that heavy Jesus angle, like you know, especially recent. Not not so much in Song to Song, but you know, from Thin Red Line up through Song to Song, he's very. You, you'd think Malik is almost a born again Christian. Um, and I I also really liked Cyborg Two. Oh, I never saw that. It's yeah, it's got it's that. got Angelina Jolie and Malcolm McDowell, and whoa, it's rad. I really like it, and that's what what I like about your writing, Vern, is is all yeah seriously the the how you talk about direct to video films because direct to video films are something I really do love. I really like the the remakes of the Kickboxers and you know Wrong Side of Town or you know the Kickboxer sequels when we were kids, and I just it's it's nice to get some good reviews of them. I. Filmmaker M. Tume Gant and my very good friend uh, threatened to kick me off of his Netflix account many years ago because I, because I gave Time Cop 2 five stars. Oh, you love Time Cop 2. Yeah. Is, that with, is that the one with uh, Jason Scott Lee? Hell yes. Yes, it is, my okay. friend. <laughs> I think I reviewed it for Andy Cullinan back in the day, but I can't really remember much about it. It's great. It, I like it better than Time Cop. That's that's also valid and fair. Um, so I've noticed recently that there's this whole genre now of to direct to video Bruce Willis movies. 
like just yeah, Bruce Willis does like ten direct to video action movies a year. Yeah, I have to be honest, I'm not very up on them because I just the ones that I have seen seem like he doesn't really put any kind of you know, they usually seem like he went there for a couple of days and got his check and left, you know. It's kind of a quick paycheck for a lot of people these days, um, and it seems like Bruce Willis is kind of at the forefront uh, of it right now. Yeah, he's really yeah, killing it. Sometimes it can be well, done well, like a Universal Soldier Regeneration, I think it was... Great movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. fans. And I think Dolph was doing Expendables, or he had to, he had to leave to do Expendables, I think. Mm-hmm. There's some reason why he couldn't be there as long as they wanted him, and so they they built his part around just the fact that he was going to be going to have like a couple major scenes and it works so well in that it's like this he, he totally steals the movie but it's, it's not like stretching it out too much it's just kind of concentrating it on that part of the movie sure. and but you know and, and for those li- li- uh, listening it's it's kind of a I guess bigger or quote bigger and mainstream movies do it too like, I mean like I think the most uh Kimberly Elise in Moonlight, like she did all, she did everything in like under four days. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Because she was doing the James Bond movie or some James Bond movie, I think. And then like also a movie that I was a big fan of, the the first uh, Man with the Iron Fist, was literally in it from beginning to end. He shot everything in eight or nine days. Uh, <laughs> I, I I I I believe I was listening to one some commentary track, so it's like so it happens. But it's like it's just such a thing now in the act in the action genre, and it's very fascinating. Which is true. I do hear. I haven't seen any myself, but I do hear he kind of phones it in. Bruce Willis, uh, you know. I don't think so. I think some of oh. them are better than others. Um, and then you know, I there's one that I'm really obsessed with that I watched this week twice called Marauders. Have you seen that movie, uh, Vern? I have not seen that one. Is that uh, Stephen Miller? Is that the director? It's I'm a. Sure it, I think it's it's the guy who did Tower Heist too. Is that Stephen Miller? Is it Tower Heist too? <laughs> Not Tower Heist. Um, Is that real? No, uh, that Sylvester Stallone Bautista vehicle. Oh, Estate Plan Two. Yeah, that's who. Um, I, if I got the name wrong, that's that is who I'm talking about. Okay, so uh, yeah, I've heard of it. So you like that one a lot? Yeah. So it, yeah, it's got Bruce Willis, Bautista. Christopher Maloney, the guy from Entourage, and it's it's like kind of like a direct to video. Um, what what did I say? Inside, Inside Man. Man. It's like a direct to video Inside Man, like heist film with a heart, with some with some other, some turns and twists that you don't expect, and I was surprised how much I liked it. Cause okay, it has. It's so good, and it has. It has what what some of these films don't have, which is character development and scenes that don't necessarily push forward the plot, which is something that I think some movies miss nowadays. They're they're so trying to get things compact that you forget about character development, and sometimes just having having a scene of Christopher Maloney putting on a jazz vinyl and then pretending and then not drinking red wine is that is so awesome. Sounds good. I, I like the, that director did like a sort of a kind of remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night, called, just called Silent Night, and I thought that was pretty good. I'm, I'm interested in him, but he, he also did 
Escape Plan 2, unfortunately, was really disappointing to me. I haven't seen it. Like, yeah, it was the first one where it really, it, it definitely felt like Stallone was doing that thing where it's like he's he's at the beginning in his office and then he kind of, you hear his voiceover in different parts of the movie, but it always seems like an excuse to not have Stallone in it very much until the end. And same with Batista, which is really sad. Yeah, Batista is our Batista is our favorite action hero right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a zebra's favorite. <laughs> he's great. I, I, I first knew him from the uh, from Wrong Side of Town. Do you, do you know my whole history with that director and stuff? I I read a little bit about it, but I'm sure the listeners yeah the would listeners love would to love to know yeah. Well, I uh, so uh, David DeFalco is the director of Wrong Side of Town and. Uh, he, I guess he's a, a former wrestler, but he directed this movie called Chaos. Oh, one of the worst up. movies ever. What's that? One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I reviewed, when that came out, I reviewed it on In the Cool News, and I was very negative towards it. And uh, and the director actually showed up in the, in the talkbacks on there, and he challenged me to a wrestling match, <laughs> and he was. But it wasn't. He was very angry about it at the time. And who, who did you say his name was again? I'm sorry, Larry Zonka. You said his name is uh, David Falco, and I guess he's also called the Demon. That's oh, I know the Demon. Oh, I'm amazed I haven't put that together. You're, are you familiar with him as a wrestler? Yeah, I am. Marcus is a super wrestling guy. Because that's where my love of Batista yeah. comes from. Are you a fan of him as a wrestler then? Of Batista? Yeah. So, all right, I'll try not to be too long-winded. He's not exact. He was. He's kind of. He's a few levels up from like the Brian Bosworth of pro wrestlers in that at least he had good runs and he was a world champion, but he got injured a lot. Okay. There was a lot of start and stopping. That that like that that was always his issue. But generally speaking, yeah, I was a big... I mean, he was part of a really good stable, uh, Evolution. It was Triple H, Ric Flair, young, young, uh, super young Randy Orton and uh, Batista. Um, and I just like his evolution, no pun intended, as a wrestler. Because he first came in, he managed uh, um, Von Dudley when the Dudleys broke up briefly. So, like, he started at the bottom and worked his way to the top. And he's And famously, you know, Triple H liked him early on and if Triple H likes you then you're gonna get like a really good push so he had a lot of like early on he had a lot of enemies in the locker room and he still kind of gained their their respect him and Booker T famously had a real fight uh backstage and it's hard to tell who won because every wrestler who was there which is a lot of like there's like a different telling of it but he just had a he had, he's had a really interesting wrestling career and the last time he showed up which was in 2013 he left on really bad terms He's still not in a good place with with the McMahons or Triple H, but um, yeah. Oh, okay, that's why. Yeah, I, I heard some people would kind of say negative things about him as a wrestler, but I love him so much as a as a movie star that. Yeah. It's really because he know? had a he had a really big push really quick uh, than like your average wrestler, and he also um, he famously like he didn't. It's a long story, but he didn't want to. He didn't want to lose to Randy Orton at WrestleMania, and every uh, Randy Orton to Daniel Bryan, and everyone loves Dan, uh, Dan, Daniel Bryan. So he was kind of looked at as a bad guy. But there's a lot more to it. He's he's a he's a solid guy in my book. So, oh, cool. yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, oh, I didn't really finish my story, but I am. Um, so I read yeah, yeah, the newscast, and uh, he, he really, he apparently was really trying to get me to have a fight with him, and at the time I was completely anonymous and like hiding my identity, and also I totally would have gotten my ass kicked. And so oh, it wasn't like now in retrospect I'm kind of like I wish that would happen now and I would go out there and like take the lumps and it would be fun or whatever but uh, so it, but it turned into a big thing where on the, the readers of Any Cool News it was kind of like a famous moment so years later I reviewed Wrong Side of Town and I was the first I knew of Batista and he's not really the star um, is, it, uh, is it Rob Van Dam is the guy yep. that's the main character yep Rob Van Dam one of the yeah. greats and so he was pretty good, but, but I was like, this, in my review, I was saying, like, this guy Batista is, like, much more interesting. That's why they put him on the cover and everything. And um, and then I got an email from David DeFalco, and he just, he couldn't believe that I had said nice things about the movie. And mm-hmm. it kind of, it seemed to, like, change his mind about how angry he was about the whole thing over chaos. And so, um, <laughs> I, I haven't heard from him in a while, but he used to email me occasionally, and he would also, like, link to the to my review and say that it was the funniest review of chaos <laughs> and so we, we kind of like made peace over that and um and he i remember that he was he was really pushing me in emails about like i'm really glad he's like the he's like I, I think it's gonna be a big movie star it's so great and we're I'm, I'm executive producing this movie um i think it was called house of the rising sun does that sound right it's uh there's there's another one where where Batista is the main star that's kind of like a serious crime movie that I thought was pretty good. And um, anyway, so after Batista's had so much success now, I just always think back to, to David the Demon Falco and think about, like, he was right. He was, that's <laughs> he awesome. was right about David Batista. Yeah, I, I really like... It, Wrong Side of Town is such a weird movie because Ja Rule's in it for a second, Omarion's in it for a second, Yeah. Stormy Daniels, Stormy Daniels, Stormy Daniels who's... You know, you couldn't get more zeitgeisty right now than oh, Stormy wow. Daniels and Bautista. I did not realize that. That's crazy. She doesn't have any lines. She like when you she first has a couple. See... She's she oh, like does she? Oh. She, yeah, she's topless and yeah. she's hanging out with Bautista. Yeah, when his character's first introduced, she's the woman she, sitting with and him. And she entices. She offers Rob Van Dam some a good time. But, but Rob Van Dam's an honest man. He's he an loves honest his wife. man. And and you're totally right, Vern. Like the Bautista character is so much more interesting than the Rob Van Dam character. And it teases you because going back to kind of like what we were talking about with Bruce Willis, I feel like Batista kind of did the same thing. He's really only in three segments of the movie, two of which are quick, and then, you know, the big finale at the end. But I feel like all his stuff could have been done in, like, a long weekend, you know, as well. But he still comes yeah. through. Oh, Sorry. of course. What were you saying, Vern? I was going to ask, I'm forgetting his name, there's another guy in that movie that's, uh, that's the stunt double for Rizza in Man with Iron Fist, I think. Yes, the um, the the main guy's uh, henchman. Yeah, he was really cool in that too, so I'm always, he oh, hasn't shit. done too many movies since then, but he was actually the, he was like a trainer or something for Chadwick Boseman on Black Panther. Oh, wow. So... Um, uh, and he was also in The Protector too, I believe, if I remember that. I only saw The Protector 1. Same. Oh, the sequel is good. It's not as good. I, I, I don't know. Are you guys into Tony Stark? Oh, well, Absolutely. Skin Trade is one of Zebra's favorite action movies of the past 10 years. Oh, yep. 
Yeah, that's right. I've heard, I've heard you guys mention that one. Um, yeah, I love, to me, I love Tony John. The Protector is actually my favorite. I know Ong Bak is a, a lot of people. No, the Protector is better. better. Yeah, I agree. I just love, it's got so many amazing action scenes and it just has this feeling of just trying to one-up everything they've done previously. There's like the, the extended tape shot up the stairs and yeah. the one where he just breaks everyone's bones and leaves a pile of like 50 people on the ground or whatever. Um, and I love that it's like this this concept that we've seen a million times. Like usually it's like your daughter or your sister or whatever has been kidnapped and you have to rescue them. But to him, it's an elephant. And so it's like this thing that's cultural and that's like a part of his family. Uh, and it's just weird, you know, compared to other movies. So like, right. I, I just love that one. So the, the sequel is not as good, but because it has more kind of like green screening and stuff like that, but it's a lot of fun and it has the RZA as the bad guy. And oh my god! Uh, oh, I'm watching. Yeah. I know what I'm doing oh, tonight. Yeah, yeah. Or at least well, for me tomorrow shot morning. In yeah. 3D, which it really pains me that I didn't get to see it in 3D. <laughs> Yeah, which which reminds me, what I like about your reviews, there's a lot of fun things about them, like when you'll mention an actor, the the parentheses for the movie that you choose for, to describe them as being well known for, it can you choose some really funny ones sometimes. <laughs> I enjoy doing that. Yeah, I like I like that because I I just because it's true they were in those movies, you know. I, I wish I had a funny one off the top of my head. But I don't. Well, like if, like so, if Elias Cortez is in something you have to say, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or uh, Cyborg 2. Yes. But, Look, growing up as a kid, I never called him Elias Codius. He was, he's, I mean, still kind of to this day, he's Casey Jones. So. Right. I would say, I would that's say, great. oh, Malcolm McDowell, Cyborg 2. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. And that's what I like. That I really, I love that sort of like, yeah, that's the movie he was in. I prefer Mick Travis, but I but I but I respect Cyborg too. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was reading your. I was reading your review of the Rock movie, Tower, Siege. Skyscraper. Skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> and and you you, because you, you you, you, you reference this movie Grand Piano. As you know, Die Hard on a piano. And I would have never believed that that movie had been made before if you hadn't written a review about it. <laughs> and it's written by uh, Damien Chazelle before he did Whiplash. No way. Well, I liked, I, even, uh, I liked it better than Whiplash, in my opinion. No offense to Whiplash. Because I think it's interesting that Whiplash is this drama that has the kind of feeling of a thriller because it's so tense, but then he actually did do... A thriller that's about music. And it's so... I really liked Grand Piano. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, just like a a nice little thriller with some some faces you might not have seen in a while. And this idea of this piece of music. It was so... It was was gnarly, dude. Thank you for for that review. Uh, Yeah, you're welcome. I'm I'm always... I'm glad I can... uh, when something like that sticks with me, I try to, you know, pitch on the appleseed for it or whatever. So that, so that, that does bring up a question of mine. So like, going from like, Grand Piano, Summer of '98, Kurosawa, Wrong Side of Town, like you have, you have, 
certain series and things within your site, but at the same time, someone could say, and this isn't in a critical way, like unstructured, like how do you determine like, I'll write about this and then I'll write about that and then I'll write about this. Like what is, is there, or is it just kind of like whatever you feel that that's just how, how you write? Like what's, I guess, what's the process, I guess. Which has been a great, it's been great reading. So good. Yeah, especially, yeah, like Buffalo 66 and... Uh, fucking Mulan. Mulan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry Fool. Henry Fool, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I usually, usually I just like, I mainly am interested in just revisiting just like the big summer blockbusters, like both the ones that I like and the ones that are kind of, that I never watched or that I thought were stupid at the time or whatever. Like, But this, I, I wanted to do 98 because I... Like, the two main reasons were, like, Out of Sight is one of my favorite movies, and I'd never written a review of it. And then the other thing is that it, I hated Armageddon so much at the time it came out, and I hadn't watched it since, but it's become kind of an important movie to a lot of people. So I thought it was interesting. Um, but then, like, as I was doing everything else from 98, I got, like, as you know, I got into doing all these indie movies that came out because it turned out that that was kind of the bigger, more significant type of movie that summer when I'm looking back at it. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty big year for independence. And also, yeah, the, like, and also the Criterion Collection film Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, that's weird how many, a bunch of them have since come out in Criterion because there was like Last Days of Disco, uh, I don't know, there's a couple other ones, I forget which ones, but Last Days of Disco and Armageddon were two of them. Yeah. I, um, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I kind of like got away from your question, but I like, um, a lot, most of the year I'm just kind of just watching movies that, that I want to watch, and then I don't review everything I see, but most, most things I see I write about, so it just kind of depends on what I'm watching at the time, but then like in October uh, I have to watch, try to find obscure slasher movies that I haven't seen before, and in the summer I do this kind of thing, and then, and then in between sometimes I'll just come up with some idea I want to do, and so like the the one that I'm most proud of the whole premise for was when I did each of the American Ninja movies and then interspersed with each of the Antoine Donnell movies from Francois. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that was that was that was a masterwork in my opinion. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm uh, I might do collect it into a book, but it's kind of too short, so I need to figure out what else would come with it. But. A novella, man. That, I love that because on our first episode of Zebras in America, we said that we wanted to be a podcast for people that can that like Cinema Paradiso and American Ninja 4. Perfect. Because <laughs> that's, that's really how me and Marcus became friends, was how much we just liked film. And I'm not going to pretend... What's that? Specifically those two? What's that? I'm sorry. Well... The, the 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 fact that we loved those sort of films equally yeah and that you can find people that it's it's nice to find people that really enjoy film 
in all of its different incarnations. And it's yeah, nice to have conver- it's nice to have conversations that can drift across continents, across years, across access levels, and still have a good time. And unironically, I think the biggest right. thing, as as a film writer myself, there's there are as you can imagine, there's so many sites and blogs and WordPresses of just like so bad it's good, you know, especially within like the film Twitter universe or like the art house world or something like that. And it's just like it starts to get to a point where people write about movies that they're kind of poking fun at to some degree and it's kinda of like which is fine, but then it gets to a point where like, do you really like this movie or don't you I, I can't even tell if you're making fun of it or if you really like it and I don't I, I get I basically when I go when I go to your reading there there's just a lot of care there and just not a lot of like pretentiousness n- nothing ironic or anything so um li- i think like and this this goes beyond movies but liking things ironically it, it it i think it's gotten a little out of hand in in the last few years so in my opinion or more i think maybe longer than a few years but yeah, yeah sure, I sure. I'm, I'm i'm really sensitive about that kind of stuff i'm like uh i don't I mean, I, I definitely do poke fun at movies when I write about them, but I try to do it in a way where I really do appreciate it. Like, even if I'm laughing at certain... Of course, of course. Of it, like, I, I, I absolutely love ninja movies. <laughs> and I don't... Well, I guess what I hate is when they... When they have an attitude... Like, we're kind of making fun of the same things, but their attitude is kind of like, these people who made this movie are stupid and... Or can you believe that people used to like this kind of movie? And I, I don't, I don't like that kind of attitude at all. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. And um, what? Or has there anything this year that's really blown you away so far? Film-wise. Uh, I'm sorry. Has have any films this year blown you away? I'm probably forgetting something because I was thinking about this recently and I, I like what I'm not even sure what my favorite movie of this year would be but recently I really enjoyed Sorry to Bother You in 8th grade uh, oh yeah 8th grade what are, let me see what am I forgetting Do you, how about you guys I'm working on a preliminary list yeah. but um, I I saw the new Gus Van Zandt movie this week that I really loved. I was okay. I was unex- I was not expecting to like that as much as I did. Um, yeah, I really like the movie. This movie, The Endless. Uh, there's the the Lucretia Martel movie Zama. I really liked. Um, Game Night. I really liked. Yeah, I don't know. Which is part of why we have a podcast together because I feel like our lists are half on point and then half completely different, which I think is, I think that's important. Cause like example for me, uh, Zama and Game Night are two of my favorite movies of the year. Um, as well as You Were Never Really Here. But then I also love like Jeanette, The Childhood of Joan of Arc. Uh, but I'm, I'm a big Bruno DeMont, uh, Bruno DeMont stan. Um, yeah, that wasn't my favorite. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, but no, it no, no. Oh, we also like personal pro. I'm 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 having a hard time. I don't know if personal problem counts as a new movie, but whatever. It 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 feels kind of it feels new to me. 
Personal Problems is great, even though it was made in 82, 83. Right. There was yeah. a Bruce Willis direct-to-video movie that I liked that had, like, a next-of-kin vibe. Mm. Oh, like, you were t- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were nope. telling me about that. That wasn't Marauders? No, Marauders came out in 2016. Oh, okay. I've, wa- I've watched, like, ten Bruce Willis movies in the past t- two weeks. I've, I've thought of a couple. Um, actually, some of these are probably not true. Um, I, uh, I think Scott Atkins is really on a roll right now. And he had, <laughs> this year he had Accident Man and uh, The Deck Collector. And those are both by the same director. And he had also done, I think it was last year, did Savage Dog with the same director. Right, yeah, those I, are all great. I love I. I mean, I like the Universal Soldiers movies, so I gotta. Um, all right, I have to make a note about that. I have to check those out. Are you? Are you? Have you seen some of his other stuff, or you just know him from Day of Reckoning? I just. I really just know him from Day of Reckoning. I saw him in one other thing, and I and I'm drawing a blank right now. But just two two films. Oh, I think I think I've heard you guys mention the undisputed movies. Oh, oh duh, yeah, duh, Jesus. Boy, yeah, yeah, Boyka, yeah. Boyka, I really wanted. Boyka to be more than it was, but I still okay. liked it. Did you like Boyka? I, I did, yeah. I like um, the thing that's interesting about what she's into now is like I think he's great at playing that type of character who kind of grunts and doesn't talk very much, is very internal, uh, and has a Russian accent often. And uh, but these new movies, she is British and he talks a lot and it really works surprisingly well um Accident Man is one that was like a dream project for him and he actually co-wrote it uh and it's based on a I guess it's like a British comic book that he grew up on and the director said that when he when he uh saw the script he was like are are you don't you think we should cut out some of this dialogue and he was angry about that and then but then when they didn't cut out the dialogue and it worked really great and they did the same thing for the debt collector where it's a really dialogue heavy kind of crime movie kind of in it with a pulp fiction kind of vibe but then also had a bunch of martial arts fights in it mm-hmm. uh, like he's he's really great he's really charismatic and he, but he's also this amazing martial artist so, so yeah I definitely recommend those too it's funny speaking of, of, of day of reckoning of day of reckoning I forget the the character's name, but the guy who gets his head knocked off with the baseball bat in, in the sport store fight. Oh yeah, uh, Andre Arlovsky. He shows up in uh, in Equalizer too. I kind of popped for that when I was in oh, the theater. Really, I haven't I haven't seen that. You know, that's that's cool. Is he, does he get to do much of it? Yeah, uh, I don't want to give anything away. I I think you should see it because I actually okay. e, e, yeah, e, e, it, it's actually pretty good. It's it's one. It's like. For the most part, you know what's going to happen. There's a couple of ridiculous moments, but at the end of the day, it was just like, I definitely felt like I got I got more than my money's worth. Um, especially, I, I did a double, we talked about this on the previous episode, but I, I did a double feature of that and uh, the first Purge. So, and I really dislike the first Purge. So, uh, when you put anything up, up, up to that, it just probably makes it seem a little better. But uh, I definitely recommend e- Equalizer 2. Yeah, I may and I may go. I'm gonna either see that or Mission Impossible at the local movie theater tonight. Yeah, I think I'm gonna see Mission Impossible too. But um, yeah. that's good to hear. Yeah, I'm, I was kind of. I didn't love the first one, but I I don't know. I'm into that kind of like Denzel, Liam Neeson type of like. I'll go in the afternoon and there'll be like 
you know, ten, 10 or less dudes in their 50s there. And I thought the gray was awesome. Yeah. Which one? Oh, the the gray. gray. Oh, it's great. Oh, the gray is great, yeah. yeah. And I really, the, my, the Denzel one that he's done recently, the past, I mean, for me, the, the time travel one, I just can go back and watch all the time. But is I also. Deja Vu? Uh, Deja Vu, I think it is. Okay. Have you seen that one? I've never seen that one, actually. I kind of got. It's uh, Tony Scott, right? I it is Tony Scott. Tony Scott after, it's one, after of, his, it's one of his last movies. And I think it's one of his well it's one of his last movies I think yeah okay and yeah it's it, it's way better than it has any business being cause cause the plot is so preposterous <laughs> and you're like I'm I'm in it I'm here for it I'm okay with it <laughs> uh, I'm letting you know which I'm okay with Southland Tales is one of my favorite movies you know oh really yeah but it took me accepting I had to just accept it for what it was, which is which is a disaster piece of epic proportions. <laughs> it's definitely a crazy movie. Yeah, and I just I I love it. I watch it and I feel comforted. I don't know. It does have something for Ricoch- me. Have you seen Ricochet with Denzel? Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah. Ice T, John Lithgow. <laughs> that movie's amazing. Yeah, that was a classic. Yeah, Ice T did a song for the soundtrack. He did the title song. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. My my friends now ask me movie questions because I have this podcast. And, like, they they sent me... So, some website just did a list of the 100 best Denzel Washington movies, which is amazing. Cause it's, uh-huh. so, I was going to say, oh, there's wow. Yeah, there's way, there's a lot. Wasn't there uh, one with him and uh, Russell Crowe, too? Yeah, oh, the, cy- the cyberpunk, cyberpunk movie. Cyberpunk, yeah, well, I like that. I, besides American Gangster. Uh-huh. With um with well, Kelly I was Lynch, say American yeah. Gangster, yeah, I went Virtuosity. to the theater to see I that. I saw that. I saw that in the theater too. What man? happened to Kelly Lynch? What the? Yeah. I don't know. I liked that movie a lot when I saw. It. I like I like Russell Crowe is good. In, I'm not I'm I not like, like the biggest Russell Crowe fan, but he's good in that movie. I like how dated cyberpunk movies are. Oh, absolutely. Like the weird yeah. anachronisms. Yeah. It's just such a strange uh, genre to me. Yeah. Have you watched Johnny Mnemonic recently? I, I watched Semi it last, recently. I watched I it last year, and I was like, "Oh yeah, forty megabytes in your brain. That's impressive." <laughs> yeah. I thought it was cool that his avatar, when he goes into the virtual or the internet or whatever it is, his avatar was very like abstract instead of trying to do a realistic thing. Like it was actually a really good move because that didn't date. Because it's like a weird kind of collage. It's the thing. least, probably the least dated thing of that movie. As, aside from like the telekinetic dolphins, we we were rec- we were recently on another podcast that hasn't come out yet, where we talked about the late '90s cyberpunk movie New Rose Hotel. You ever seen that one? I have not seen that one. Oh the, the, yeah, the the Abel Ferrara film with Willem Dafoe and Christopher Christopher Walken, Ashia Argento, Annabella Sciorra, John Lurie for a quick second. Um, yeah. Like, like for 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Gretchen Maul? Yeah, Gretchen Maul's in there for like 30 seconds. Sure. And the, the thing is, like, who knows? They could have filmed for way more than a weekend. You right. never know with Abel Ferrara. Yeah, right. But, yeah, so someone was like, yeah, what about these 100 best Denzel Washington movies? And I'm like, I don't have time to read this list, you know? Yeah. He's been in a lot of amazing movies. He's a great actor. He's an iconic actor. Yeah. 
Oh, who, absolutely. Who, who works very hard. And I love going back to like the, this, well, not back, but this whole Denzel Washington and Liam Neeson vibe too, where they just kind of, I'm not going to say coast, but just kind of walk through and kind of kick ass from beginning to end. Like, also Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Oh, well, this is a little different, what, what I'm about to say. But Keanu, okay. yeah. It, in the sense that like they never get hurt. Like there's not like there's maybe one quick scene where they're in trouble, but it's just like it's very, again there there's some exceptions here, but it's very Steven Seagal where like, yeah, Steven Seagal rarely ever gets hurt in his movies. I mean like there's the That's scene so in above true. there's a scene in Above the Law where he's you know tied down to a chair and he's getting beat up, and then obviously Mark the whole the beginning of Mark for Death, but after he you know after the beginning of Mark for Death he's untouchable. He's usually untouchable in his movies, um, and I've always been fascinated about that. What's that? I think you mean Hard to Kill, where he's in the... Oh, yeah, Mark, Mark, yeah, I'm sorry, Mark, Mark for Death is a Jamaican, yeah, yeah, Hard to Kill. <laughs> Kelly LeBron, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, I went to see On Sacred Ground with my dad, the movie theaters. Oh, On Deadly Ground? Yeah. Oh, nice. Which one? On, on Deadly, Deadly Ground. Ground. Oh, okay, yeah. And, and Under movie. Siege on a Train. Yes. That was the movie that made me obsessed with and maybe write that book because I just love how it's like it's got all these qualities of the 90s studio action movies like a well made one but then also it has all this ridiculous stuff that's clearly or at least seem, seemingly very sincere to him like the big speech about the environment at the end and especially the the bar fight where he humiliates Mokhtar and then and then uh, kind of sympathizes with him and Get him to say that he needs time to change. Like I just think that's an amazing movie. But unfortunately, with everything that Seagal has kind of turned into now, I'm, it's it's uh it's difficult for me to <laughs> to appreciate. His right, because his heel turn in real life has yeah. been <laughs> so <laughs> devastating. And because he also has started playing villains in most of his movies or, or just really dark anti-heroes but I, I've actually um, sadly like gotten behind on him because I just don't want to watch his movies right now and I don't know if it's going to yeah understood I mean um, for your for the intro of this show I'm going to do a little reading from what you wrote about Exit Wounds but yeah like that was the last one I really liked to his I think and that was a long time ago and that, that movie I really liked. Exit Wounds is dope. You know? And um, he also had the most bizarre, one of the most bizarre SNL episodes ever. <laughs> and also, they, uh, there's a book about Saturday Night Live that, where a bunch of the cast members say that he was the worst host that they ever had. As I far mean, as, like, yeah. getting along with them and everything. The, the sketches are not, they're interesting. That's what I'll say. And, yeah, they're interesting. Yeah, I hear it. it was, it's Seagal and, and, from that book, it's Seagal and Robert Blake were, like, the two worst, uh... Um, what, what a guy to be compared next to. Yeah, right? <laughs> I remember... It's interesting. I, I, I did, when I was working on the book, I did... There were a few people I, I emailed with who had worked on a lot of his movies who, who really thought... At least they said that he was like a really nice guy, and like, um, but also you would hear all these stories about him being horrible. And then um, I, I've, I did a book signing one time in Burbank, and there were you know a lot of movie people there, and they would all go. There was more than one that was like, 
like, oh, I, I assume you've met Seagal? And I'd say, no, not really. Not really. I shook his hand one time with that him, and he'd be like, oh, okay, you don't want to meet him. <laughs> and then they were kind of like loose enough where like, okay, good, I can talk shit about him. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, um, and I... What's that? I guess I, I think I wrote about it, I guess it's okay to say, but I like, I had, I had my, before the thing started, I had my books uh, on a table, and uh, Don the Dragon Wilson was there for part of the signing. Oh, of, no way. Uh, and it was for uh, David J. Moore's uh, action book, The Good, The Test and the Dead, which is an amazing book that I had almost not two years, but... Um, Check, check out that book. It's like interviews with action stars and directors. Um, so Don the Dragon Wilson was there and he saw Sigology sitting on the table and I heard him like <laughs> talking shit about Sigology because he didn't know that it was my book or, or that I was hearing him. He was just talking about like that guy's never, I forget what he said exactly, but something about him not uh, not ever being in competition and just pretty phony and stuff. And it was pretty amazing to hear a, an action icon Insulting another action, I guess. <laughs> have have any of these guys that you've written about ever reached out to you? Uh, not 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 much. I mean, I've, besides I've, the demon. Besides the demon, yeah. <laughs> not not much. I uh, I one time, well, that that movie Accident Man, um, Scott Adkins actually sent me the link to it and he in the email he said like I, I'm aware of all you've written about me and I appreciate it or something like that so that was really nice and then I didn't sweat him at all I just let it go but that, cool. was, that, that was good uh, I've heard a few from a few directors and stuff nice I, not, not too often mm-hmm. I, I do have to ask you as like an action person does it bug you as much as it bugs me that Carl Weathers has not been in the Expendables yet, but like a Kelsey Grammer or like Ronda Rousey or Tito or, or Victor Ortiz, like all these guys, like Mel Gibson. Mel, Mel Gibson. Like, do you have any insight into that, or like, or just your opinion, like why Action Jackson, Apollo Creed, co-star Predator, like has a relationship with a couple of the Expendables? Mm-hmm. Like, why he's not? Like, uh, do you have any anything to say about that? Because that's always bugged me. Yeah, I agree. Um... I feel like, I think it's some kind of personal thing between him and Stallone, but I don't really know for oh. sure. I think I, I think I heard a story that he, that something happened with Rocky Balboa, um, and I, if I remember right, it had to do with Carl Weathers wanting more money to use footage of him and, and Rocky Balboa or something like that that caused like a falling out between them, but that may or may not be true. That's, but he, he wanted to be in Rocky Balboa. He, he was. He wanted. Oh, really? He wanted to be in Rocky Balboa. Oh, he wanted to be in it. Okay, that would that would make sense. Like w- like new scenes. Yeah. Oh. And Rocky and Sylvester Stallone was like, "You're you're you're not alive." In this story, for like two decades. <laughs> it'll, it'll probably make more sense for him to be in the new Creed movie, but I don't think that's the case. Right. Well, that reminds me. It's like um. Well, that reminds me of um. Had that Joel Schumacher first Batman been successful, we talked about this before on the show, but do you know about, uh, I think the the script is up, you know about Joel Schumacher's, the plans for his second Batman? Well, you mean a third one after, yeah, um, yeah, it's with, isn't it Nicolas Cage as the 
No, it was going to be... So, Jack Nicholson... So, okay. Forrest Whitaker was going to be Scarecrow. And every time he, like, blew his fear dust into Batman, he would have visions of the Joker, who was his greatest fear. And, like, Jack Nicholson was going to come back in makeup and be Joker in these, like, nightmare scenes. There, There's a whole bunch more, but it just sounded like, oh, my God, this sounds... I, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. If Michael Keaton had stayed on for Batman Forever, then... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. This was, um, from what I understand, no. This was if, th- no, this would have been the second George Clooney Batman had that that first one been a success. Oh, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it would be George Clooney afraid of Jack Nicholson. Yeah, because yeah, exactly, he's supposed yeah. to be the same Batman. Yeah. I remember reading in an article when Ocean's 12 came out that Matt Damon was hurt that George Clooney was putting his money on Catwoman over the first Bourne movie. Um, they, came, they came out the same weekend, and, and George Clooney was like, I had, I had the Halle Berry Catwoman film. He's like, oh, you know, I had, I had money invested in it. And I didn't realize that he was, had still investments in, in the Batman franchise. Oh, wow. You know, uh, I, I tried to rewatch Catwoman to see if maybe it was a great movie, and certainly not terrible. That's what I have to say about it. Yeah, I remember having some interesting, like, weird... Isn't there some, like, big show-off CGI shot of a cat? Like, a camera rotating around a CGI cat or something like that? There is a CGI cat. Yeah. Yeah. But the weird thing about that is how they just kind of take the subplot of Batman Returns and then stretch it out into its own movie without really adding anything interesting to it. You never know, because they even made... Have you seen that show Birds of Prey? No. That was that was a a show that lasted one season on DC, which was a future where the Batman I think from the movies Batman and Catwoman had a kid and their kid was was a superhero. And there were also all these other it was like all the all the female characters from the Batman universe were in it. Was it a good show? I'll say that I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> so I guess it was good because I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, I, before superheroes were as, you know, as submerged as we are in them now, yeah. it was rare that you'd get a superhero thing. This was like during, like, right around the time Buffy went off the air, I think. So, so there wasn't as much superhero stuff. So you sort of would take what you got. Yeah. And and I, I was happy with it, but, you know, some of the action sequences left more to be desired. Or some of these DC shows on CW have have good action directors working on some of the episodes. Or even they'll have, like, Kevin Smith on some of the episodes. Or uh, who, who directed Green Street Hooligans? Uh, I know... Uh, Alexander. Yeah, oh, she she does yeah. a bunch of episodes. She did a bunch of episodes, some of the best episodes of Green Arrow. And Wait, Super... she did the first or the second one? I always get confused. She did, she did the first Green Street Hooligans. Right, and she just produced uh, the second one. Like, I don't Far or something. And Punisher Warzone, which yeah, is... Yeah, yeah, no, all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultra underrated... Sure. Uh, ...superhero movie. Caught the tone of Punisher really well. I saw that on opening night, and it was a great audience experience where I felt like everyone was on the same page of, like, like when the 
the part where he, there's the parkour guy and he just suddenly shoots him with a heat-seeking missile at the blue. And the, the way that the audience was all kind of like laughing with the movie, it was just like, it was great. I'm glad that, I'm glad that, that has kind of turned into a cult movie since then. Definitely. That, yeah, it's definitely a new age cult film. It's a good movie. God, no, it didn't get a fair shake when it first came out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I honestly like all three of the Punisher theatrical movies. Uh, like the first, the Elf one, I feel like he's kind of, like I feel like now he would make an amazing Punisher at the time. He kind of looks like his facial hair is painted on and stuff, but it's yeah, such definitely. a crazy movie with like ninjas and... Got the Joe Budden thing going on. Yeah. Earring weapons and stuff. And then the, the Thomas Jane one really is like mostly like an 80s style action movie and I think she's great in it. Like, I, I really like that one. And then the uh, Warzone is just so over the top. And then uh, uh, Ray Stevenson, I think, is my favorite performance as Punisher because I love that he just, it just seems like a real performance to him where he just like, he's taking it very seriously, but he's in this insane movie, you know, walking around with grenades attached to him in public and stuff. Very violent <laughs> movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's the TV show, and the TV show's cool. But I, I think I'm, I think I'm just sort of. I'm, I've had two, I've seen so much superheroes recently. I sort of need a break. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. I'm curious about that show because I really love John Bernthal, but I just, I, I tried to watch Daredevil to prepare, and I just couldn't even make it through the first season because I just find that show so boring. I know a lot of people love it, but. I just couldn't make it through. Oh wow! Yeah, I had trouble. I've had trouble getting through a lot of the the Marvel shows on Netflix. Some are better than others, especially the recent ones. Like yeah, Jessica Jones season two was a big letdown, especially when season one I thought was really good. The yeah. Defenders, given all the hype around what the Defenders was, it was just kind of. Like, I don't eh. even remember what that was about. I, I mean, Sigourney Weaver was the was the bad guy. Yes, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and I have, Luke I Cage. Any, I've heard a lot of great things about the first Jessica Jones. And it's I, the villain. There's one Luke Cage, and that, I, I want to watch the rest of that show because that seems promising. But Luke Cage I has heard anyone say Iron Fist is good? Luke Cage has some good stuff in both seasons. Yeah, there are ups and there are peaks and valleys. Jessica Jones season one was tremendous because the bad guy was good, and you really felt for Jessica Jones's character arc where it, they didn't really know what to do in the second season but I'm sure there'll be a third season and you know I like I like a good redemption story for the most part um, and as you know I feel like as we wind down a little bit I just want to say I was reading your your review of Solo a Star Wars tale recently mm-hmm. and you referenced Ram LZ oh yeah and that made me really happy. <laughs> yeah, like on Twitter, you let out some some hip hop related tweets that are kind of like, oh, this guy knows some 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 stuff. But yeah, to to bring up Ram LZ, uh, it's pretty awesome. You know, I, I consider he's hip hop's first weirdo. Yeah, avant garde. You know, all that. And he has he has, I've always loved his work, his art, his music, and there's a there's a retrospective of his in New York City right now. Yeah, I would love to get. Have you guys gone to that? I've gone twice. I, I haven't. I've gone twice, yeah. and it's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That, those those 
whatever those monster costume armor things he makes are just incredible. And the fighter racers and stuff. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm just curious, how'd you get into Ram Z and all the... Yeah, because you, you dropped, you dropped some, some rap references and some music references that are really, you know, you like stuff that we like. I was, I was like, whoa, Kamasi Washington and shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I'm a little bit older than you guys, but probably some overlap. I mean, I just grew up on, on you know, I was a kid when Don Dimsky and Beastie Boys just blew my mind, and I've just that's kind of been my, my main musical enjoyment since then so like 90s hip-hop especially i love and yeah and uh and from there that brought me into george clinton and parliament psychedelic i became completely obsessed with and like especially in the early 90s i was just kind of worshipful of it so through them i discovered all kinds of weirdos and i think ramelzy connects there somehow and then i found out about him being in wild style and stuff he did with Bastion and all that stuff. And Stranger Than Paradise. He has a great scene in the Stranger Than Paradise. Oh, does he? He's the guy okay. when um who mistakes uh her with, you know with the hat. Okay, I haven't seen it in a while, but well that's cool. Yeah, I love I love Jim Jarmish too. Yeah, because yeah, Jarmish was always kinda in that hip hop world long before, you know, Rizza and Ghost because everyone thought, oh, that's Jim Jarmish, you know, this white guy, he knows Rizza, but from that, you know, from that downtown 81 scene, like, Jarmusch was around then, too, and him and apparently, because, well, and just knowing Basquiat, and him and Ram LZ were apparently uh, very close. Did you both grow up in New York? I was, I was born and raised in Brooklyn. This is Scott. Marcus yeah. was born in St. Albans, but raised in Massachusetts, western Massachusetts. Yeah, to be specific. To be specific, I was, yeah, I was, three. yeah, I grew up in Amherst, but I was born in Queens. Okay, but yeah. you're... Yeah, I imagine that that stuff is all kind of more easier to know about on the East Coast. Than... I mean, East Coast rap, yeah, but I I found out I, I I probably like West Coast rap as much as I like East Coast rap, and that took a little more digging around because New York was very East Coast centric for a very long time. Yeah, but yeah. I you know grew up grew up on rap music and different types of music. So to put you on the spot, who are your five favorite rappers? <laughs> uh, well, definitely Public Enemy is number one for me. Um, it takes Nation of Millions. I just to the I used to have a tape of it, and I had a little boombox that would just flip the tape over automatically, and I would oh. just only listen to that album forever, <laughs> and, I'm, nice. and I still listen to it a lot. Um, I love. Wu Tang, and I've had to choose a favorite from Wu Tang, and uh, probably Ghostface. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, so would we probably. Uh, I'm sorry. So would we probably? No, not. I mean, definitely Ghostface is in my top five. And then, yeah, it's easier for me to pick groups. Okay. That's fine. So, who's your five favorite rap groups? We have Public Enemy, Wu Tang Clan. It's Public Enemy, Wu Tang, uh, Tribe Called Quest. All right, St. Albans, where I was born. Nice. Uh, I think I'd have to say Dave Russell, and I, I think I'd have to say Beastie Boys just because Paul Geek was another one that I just have listened to ever since it came out. Sure, it's a great list. Uh, but I also love like Pharrell March and. There you I, go. He's I, in my I top think, five. I think Buster Rhymes is very underrated. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm forgetting a million people, but... I mean, you said Feral Manch, so that's so... You, you have a very Queen-centric list, too. That's Run true. DMC, Tribe, Feral Manch. It's a lot of... And Public yeah. Enemy being from Long Island, that's right by Queens. That's They're, they're always... They, 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 they coexist. They're always associated De- with one another. De La Soul, Long, Long Island, Island as well. Yeah. Long Island has a lot of great rappers. Yeah, oh, my God, yeah. You know, MF Doom, Rock Grand, Him. Granddaddy IU, Rock Marciano. Um, yeah. yeah. Ari the Rugged I Man. Say, I didn't say anybody was cursed today. JVC Force. So, oh, shit. <laughs> so if you want to throw in a couple West Coast people, you know, I was listening I was listening to Del, Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Casual this week. Oh, yeah. Another good. Um, Ice-T was formative for me also, and... Uh, Ice Cube and the NWA, obviously, but like America's Most Wanted, I love because of the Bomb Squad combination with Ice Cube. Uh, I love like the Alcoholics and Oh hell yeah. Uh, yeah, and then here in Seattle, I'm from Seattle, and we just have to mix a lot. Macklemore doesn't count to me. Thank you. What are you a um, Shabazz Palaces fan? Being from Seattle. Oh yeah, yeah, they're good. They're they're a little more crazy than I normally sure. want to listen to, but but I would totally respect respect it. Yeah. That was that was the best concert I saw this year. I went to see Shabazz Palaces. They always put on a good show. And they they improvised half of the show, and it was it was outrageous. Oh wow! And I just I love I just love their sound. I love I really enjoy their records. Yeah, yeah, Seattle. Oh has such a pedigree of guitar music but obviously there must be some some rap stuff of course not Macklemore and I really appreciated that you that you took him out of there <laughs> I don't know I'm, I mean people he seems actually like a nice guy and everything people like, said no, Hitler was a nice guy too you know oh wow I just think my, I think the issue he with, wasn't a nice guy just in case anyone's the, listening I don't think he was a nice guy the issue with Macklemore is that I think he tries too hard like I, his whole vibe is like you guys like me right do you like me you like me am I doing it right I think that's always been my issue with, with Macklemore where it just seems a little forced just though like and when like he texted a picture the screenshot of him texting Kendrick Lamarson like oh you should have won it's just like he tries too hard I think and that can rub people the wrong way yeah I just yeah. Sorry, you were you were saying, Vern? Oh, I just that reminded me that I I, I like Kendrick Lamar too, and I like uh, it's interesting to me because it's like the first time in a long time that there's been like a guy way younger than me that I'm like, okay, I like his stuff. So I feel like there's kind of a generation gap between me and what's popular now. So I'm, I I feel like excited to be able to like something that everyone else likes. Yeah. Right. Also, because his production is very jazzy, very new jazzy. Kamasi Washington's on some of his records. Yeah. Thundercat yeah. plays on his records. Flying Lotus works on his records. That's definitely true. Apparently, Flying yeah. Lotus was able to make his movie that came out last year because of working with Kendrick Lamar. Was it Cuso? Oh, Cuso, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Have you seen it? Yeah, we, we, we've gone over. I think we're a little... Marcus we liked it more than I did. I liked it a lot more than, yeah. Okay. I just, I liked some of it, and some of it was, seemed just very shocking for the sake of being shocking. Yeah, I've heard that. 
speaking did you, did you guys know about the Kamasi Washington thing I was tweeting about? Uh the the secret C D hidden in the yeah. C D? No, I yeah, listened, no. I thought that was so awesome. I listened to that record, because um, I I love I love I love f- fusion jazz is my second favorite genre of music, so whenever people are coming back to that sort of sound, I always give it a listen. But I think that's awesome. It's so cool to do that. I got um. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, just like I'm not really. I know you guys said you're up. You you like uh, modern jazz. I'm not. I'm not really up on it, but I like him a lot, and I I like. I really like his sound, and I. Um, but I just think it's so interesting that there's a guy like that that's like making jazz songs that are like about just playing Street Fighter video game, and and that he toured in Snoop Dogg's band and stuff. Like he's just like a really interesting guy. I'm really glad that someone like him exists. It's really good. Have you checked out any of the Thundercat records? No, I've heard a few a few songs by them, and I feel like I'm interested in them. Do you? Are you guys into this? Oh, I, I am very much so. I love I love his first two albums. I love all of his music because it's it's it seems for me it sounds like the natural progression of fusion jazz, and he does some great covers. And he's he's a gifted bass player. He plays for Suicidal Tendencies comes from a musical family and he also yeah he has that stuff where he's like has a song 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 about baseball cards and songs about drinking and, and his cat and his cat really like big surprise he likes his cat and yeah there's there's a lot of new there's there's some good instrumental jazz that that is coming out of new york not out of new york excuse me out of the west coast yeah. new york is still very much playing old stuff sure I'm yeah. sure there's other stuff, but I don't know much about it. The um the Spe- oh, oh. speaking, I just wanted to piggyback. Speaking of Ice Cube, I just I saw Fist Fight this week. You see oh, Fist I Fight? Have, I have not seen that. Is it, it worth seeing? It's bizarre. It got terrible reviews, and and there's some really funny stuff there. So, so if you like some if you want to see. Some bizarre, a bizarre film with Ice Cube. There's some laughs, but I would probably watch it if you had like a cold or something. <laughs> okay. It's a guilty pleasure, though I, I'm not really guilty about anything I like. But it's what you would yeah, call a guilty pleasure. I feel no guilt. Um, but yeah, so I guess we're starting to get starting to get ready to wind down. Is there anything you'd like to to talk about before we? St- uh, start to get ready to wrap up this wonderful interview. Uh, well, I listened to some of your episodes and I know you guys are into wrestling and I, I wonder what you guys think about The Rock as a movie star. Is he ever going to get uh, start making good movies or is he just going to stay where he's at? Well, uh, I uh, think I, I get what you're getting at. He... I. I I would like him to work with, like, I know this sounds shallow, I just want him to work with, like, a name, like, be in a Michael Mann movie or something. I, I'm just pulling it out of nowhere, but I think he that... Wasn't a, he wasn't, no, that, not Michael Mann, he was yeah. in a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, that of course. Movie, I, w- I wish... Uh, a lot of problems movie, with that movie. That movie is, is, a, is a problematic film. Yeah, it's just, like, to say this, all this stuff happened when that's literally actually not how it happened, that's literally not what happened, so don't... Stop saying that throughout your movie. When you read about what really happened, it seems so much 
better than it would have been a better movie than what they did. Yeah, and, and also they would have been worse portrayed as really worse because it's like oh they're just these bumbling idiots they don't know what they're doing but in real life they were very like diabolical and and just, intentionally messed up. You so. just realize that Michael Bay his understanding of human behavior and human interaction when you see how he translates this into a movie you're like oh well this this makes this makes everything makes sense it doesn't all of a sudden make your movies cohesive or enjoyable but you know Scorpion King was not like amazing. I like the Scorpion King. Interesting. Like you, I like the the new Mummy. I thought that got a really bad rep. I think that was sort of like that Lou Reed Metallica album. People just gave it reviews without looking at it. Yeah, I don't know. I talked to people that did see it and really hated it. But I don't really relate. I don't think it's great, but it was you know. Cruise was funny in it, and it was like an interesting take to combine monsters with Mission Impossible kind of action, and the monsters were cool. So is that universe done, like, already? Like, yeah. Oh, damn. I, I thought that was the case, but, like, geez, this whole rollout, this whole, this is your monster universe, and geez, okay, huh? Shit. Yeah, I think they canceled it, right? Yeah, they can't, they, they, they decided to not go, that movie underperformed, to say the least, yeah, I mean, I think there are some good rock movies. I definitely think I really like Moana and Walking Tall. And the there he's making a Fast and the Furious spin-off movie. Oh, well, those movies. Yeah. The Fast and Furious yeah. movies are good. And I actually liked Central Intelligence with Kevin Hart. Oh, okay. I, I have not watched that. But yeah, I think... I And we'll see what... You know, he's playing Black Adam and Shazam. That I think that movie has potential... Uh, I have a funny Shazam story. Uh, so my friend, my friend was eating sushi at a Park Slope, that's a neighborhood in Brooklyn, sushi establishment in the 90s, and he was wearing a Flash shirt, and all of a sudden walks in old dirty bastard with a bunch of his kids, and he went up to my friend and he shook him, and he was like, Billy Batson! And, which is, he was like, Billy Batson, Shazam! And and my friend and my friend was like yeah yeah because he didn't have the heart to be like actually this is the Flash, but they're very sim- similar symbols and it's pretty awesome that that you saw this and you decided to shake me and say Shazam. <laughs> and I love ODB. Yeah, he he was he's like the most beautifully his art his yeah he was he was. N-word, please, is a really good record. 
I like his duets where you're like not sure if the if the real singer on the song knew that he was gonna sing over it or not. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, heartache. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, there's, there's also this great song you did with Macy Gray and Method Man, where Method Man starts his verse with, "I was born on the same day as Dr. Seuss." Which I just think is a really great way to start a rhyme. Just some trivia for everybody. Yeah, because so many times I've been able to use facts that I learned from songs to make myself, you know, appear smarter. Because I, I, you know, I don't really actually have much of a personality, so facts are really what allow me to to move forward in the world. That was a joke. So you, dropped the, you dropped the Method Man's birthday one on yeah, I'm just like, hey man, did you know that Method Man was born the same day as Dr. Seuss? Yeah, that was a, that was my attempt at a dry joke. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Method Man really was born on the same day as Dr. Seuss. I looked it up. You looked it up, yeah. Yeah, and, that's, and it was fun. Alright, uh, so... Both contributed well to our society. Absolutely. So, Vern, it was great to have you on our show. Yeah, thank you so much. This was... Awesome. Yeah, and you're yeah, open invite. Come back anytime. You're always welcome. Yeah, that's good. It's good to talk to you. I sat around the illest villains campaigning while we all G off. Automatic millions, now we ain't playing. Wolves start scheming. Violate me in the rain, get more respect. Ride Marvin Gay on them, gold black beige on them. Heavy gauge, getting blazed, all that money, but he ain't even shaved. This a new flavor. Bigger vets, bigger baguettes, bigger babes. God damn it, nigga got saved. Three or more, two thousand, four blazes. Looking good, it's all hood, just analyze the maze. Peace, less mosey and sways, y'all. Then count real bank and thank him. Hit me on the page, what? I was born on the same day as Dr. Seuss. Plenty of friends, Henny and Jen. Who got the juice? Let's get drunk. And this motherfucker, let's get pumped. I need that funk. Like I ain't took a bath in a month. You can find me where the thugs be at. Club be at. A fact. I love women cause they love me back. The name's Johnny. They used to call me sucker for love. But now I'm grimy. Cops searching motherfuckers for drugs. Give me that buzz. That coming nickel dimes and dubs at 420. Well niggas knew what time it was. A shot of Remy in my system. I'm buzzed. And maybe I ain't just a little war from unplugged. Haha, <laughs> you know I crack myself up sometimes with no excuses. Like every nigga that done time, I didn't do it. Math, the magnificent, not Jeff. I see the game done gone impotent, soft and suspect.
push, twist in a sweet switcher. In search for Bobby the Digital, bitch, now Bobby Fisher. Head full with a gray goose and red bull. A case full of beer weed, plus a bed full of dime piece. My new type bitches who mind their own business, blow my dick like birthday cake wishes. My word is scornful, hard to respond to. Dirt McGurk be selling boating in Honolulu. Brooklyn, too, wild like Shaka Zulu. Brooklyn, too, chops will go right through you. Touch me in Cali on the streets of Maui. In the 2006, Pitch Black's Audi. Driving by bitches, I'm like, howdy.